Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Now, it probably goes without saying, although I am 1,000% going to say it anyway, that you don't get to be a franchise that's made like... 13 major motion pictures in eight separate TV series without a lot of ideas getting batted down in the process. For every, like, one hour of Star Trek there is, there's probably another five or ten of them that have just been deposited into the various bins you have to go past in order to get made. And it also probably goes without saying, and I'm also 1000% going to say it anyway, but you don't get to be a franchise which explores the boundless possibilities of time and space and the universe and the human condition and all of that without well, people pitching you absolutely everything over the course of about 50 years. Basically, right, the beauty of science fiction is that nothing should ever really be off the table because there's no limit to the human imagination. There's no limit to the bounds you can push of science and space and all of that. So when you Star Trek, you can do anything. Now, I don't want this video to come off as ungrateful. When we look at all the Star Trek we have had, we should be very happy and delighted that all this wonderful stuff has come into our lives at some point. But just... When you look at all the Star Trek stuff we nearly got, it's mm, outlandish adventures, in-depth character studies, even ideas that would have pushed the entire canon towards strange new worlds. Let's see what I did there. Let's explore all of them because my name is Adam Cleary and these are 10 scrapped Star Trek shows you're never going to get to see. Number 10, Reboot the Universe. Just going to open with a complete shocker here. The proposed Star Trek Reboot the Universe show was going to... Yeah, yeah, oh, you're there already? Yep, yeah, Reboot the Universe. Yeah. Not in, like, some big biblical sense of going back to, like, the primordial soup and messing with everything and everything having a do-over and stuff like that. No, just, like, in the Hollywood sense of just recasting everybody and sending them on new illogical adventures, that kind. Now, the idea came about in 2004, just as Star Trek Enterprise was starting to wind down. The premise was simple. You go right back to the original five-year mission of Kirk et al, except this time it's in an alternate universe where you're free to do whatever you want and do whatever you want with much better effects. What's that? Why, yes, just like the J.J. Abrams movie. Now, one very interesting caveat of this was to take the idea from the 1960s show of taking already existing stories and adapting them for the Star Trek universe. And during the pitching process, the two authors they wanted to use most were Michael Crichton, him of Jurassic Park fame, and Stephen King, him of just being Stephen King fame. That would have been awesome. Number nine, Star Trek Phase 2. Ah, yes, quick hello to everybody who joined us in the live premiere of the amazing facts about the Enterprise D video, where I was like, what? You don't know what Star Trek Phase 2 in? Well, strap yourself in, bucko, because 
some point in the future, I'm gonna do a video that's gonna rock your cock off. Well, this is the future, this is that video. Sorry about your cock. Now, in fairness, it's not entirely accurate to say that you never got to see Star Trek Phase 2 because a lot of the DNA in it went on to inform various other things in Star Trek. The episode titles, some of the characters, even the very design of the Enterprise in this went on to be the foundation for the USS Discovery. Now, this idea came along in the 1970s and was supposed to push the timeline 10 years forward into the future. It also added two new characters, Commander Decker and the Delton Elia. Yep, from, from the film, and the two-hour pilot was going to be called In My Image, in which a machine, a giant terrifying machine, traversed the galaxy to get to Earth in order to find its creator. Yeah, yeah again, that is, that is just the film. Now, in the end, they decided a new Star Trek series wasn't really feasible, so what they did was they just bundled it all together, tried to cash in on the success of 2001 and Star Wars, and made Star Trek the motion picture, although they tweaked the character slightly, tweaked the story slightly, but it's largely what was pitched for Phase 2. Interestingly, though, a lot of stuff did end up in The Next Generation as well, because the original character descriptions of both Elia and Decker ended up being Commander Riker and Deanna Troy, as well as a number of episodes that were written for Phase 2 ended up getting cobbled together for use in The Next Generation as well. I think Devil's Jew was one of them. I forget the other. Number 8, Star Trek Academy. Now, in 2003, it was strongly rumoured that Viacom wanted to end Star Trek Enterprise. So a one William Shatner, a very outspoken critic of Star Trek Enterprise, decided now was the time to get that screenplay out of the drawer, slap it down on some TV executives' table, and make Star Trek the way Jimmy Kirk wanted to make Star Trek. So he wrote Star Trek Academy, which went back to the original crew's younger days training at the Academy. And it just did... Whatever the hell it wanted to, really, it even, it retconned the bit where Kirk and Spock first meet to take place in... Anyone? 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 A flippin' strip club. Because of course. So with all these great ideas in hand, Kirk marched into Viacom and he was like, Make my series, bitch! And Viacom went, No! Because we're not cancelling Enterprise yet. And Kirk went, Oh! Bother? Now, I never want to be put off by just hearing the word no. William Shatner then took his ideas and he turned it into the novel series, Star Trek Academy Collision Course, which was released to almost universal derision and not a whole lot of critical acclaim, which might sound like a burn, but Enterprise didn't do much better either, so... Number seven, Hope Ship. Now, even though Star Trek was a pretty solid success in the 1960s, the American television audience's one true heart did not sing a song of sci-fi, it sang a song of medical drama. Marcus Welby, MD, Medical Center, Dr. Kildare, and other shows I haven't yet googled were all far more popular in American households than Star Trek. So G. Roddenberry, the creative genius that he is, thought, wonder if I can get any of that money. Thus he reasoned he could successfully merge the two, and while writing the second season of Star Trek, he came up with a spin-off idea that would take the Star Trek universe and apply it to how much Americans love medical dramas and create the brand new show, Hope Ship. Now what was Hope Ship? Absolutely none of you were asking. Well, it was just Star Trek, but set in a medical ship. That's literally all it is. There's treatment for it didn't get very far, the concept for it didn't get very far, but Gene Roddenberry did pitch it, and the one character he had in mind was Dr. Mbenga. You remember him from those two episodes he was in. Hmm. 
Now, in fairness, some elements of Hope Ship did eventually make it to Star Trek because they inspired the USS Pastor and indeed the entire Olympic-class vessel in the finale of The Next Generation. But that is not the Hope Ship. That was not what Hope Ship was supposed to be. It was going to be a Star Trek medical drama in space with Dr. Mbenga. Number six, Star Trek The Beginning. Now, um, one thing I should very quickly point out here is that a lot of entries on this list, right, are going to take place in the mid Noughties, because with Enterprise winding down, there was the first ever proper vacuum, pun intended, of Star Trek television series. There was nothing, there was nothing happening, and there was nothing planned, and so anybody who ever wanted to make a Star Trek show, that's when they got their ideas in, but then they all got banted off the face of the earth by the J.J. Abrams film, like this did. Now, one that actually got pretty far along the development line is also probably the best one of the lot. It was called Star Trek The Beginning. It was going to pick up where Enterprise left off and then end where the original series started. So it was designed to bring the entire franchise on the canon completely full circle and fill that last gap. And it actually got as far as them writing scripts for the first movie. And said script, what was it about? Well, it concerned the character of Tiberius Chase, who was both a distant relative of James Kirk and also the most Hollywood name Star Trek has ever come up with. During the Earth Romulan War, a savage attack takes place on Earth and then Tiberius Chase, he's like... Oh, well, it might not be Starfleet material, but um, Romulan killing material. So he steals the USS Spartan and goes on a one-man, plus assembled members of his crew, revenge mission. Ooh. Now, this film was completely written. It was supposed to be part of a trilogy that would wrap everything up nicely. But as tends to happen in major organizations, there was some reshuffling. That's what reshuffling is at the top of Paramount. When the new people came in, they went let's not do any Star Trek stuff unless something really good comes along. So they put this on the shelf and there it rotted and died. Number five, Star Trek Excelsior. Now, if any of you saw an appearance I recently made on Trek Central, you will know that I was banging the drum that Star Trek Strange New World is actually the first ever proper Star Trek spin-off. Everything else has been just a new show with new characters with a few tiny recurring elements, but nothing has taken a well-established character and given them their own show. Like, O'Brien wasn't a big deal. On The Next Generation, DS9 is not his show. And it's not like Janeway was ever propping up the bar in Quark, so Voyager's its own thing too. Basically right, Star Trek has never had a Frasier, and it's never even had a Joey. Following how good its scenes were in the Undiscovered Country, and how well received its episode of Voyager was, George Takei himself pitched Paramount the idea of doing Star Trek Excelsior, where they take the crew of the Excelsior as seen in both those films and that TV episode and give it its own show. Now, Paramount took a long, hard look at this idea and said, hmm, it could work, but it needs more brand recognition. How about instead of the Excelsior, we put you on the Enterprise B and we bring in your daughter to be a part of the crew? Would, would that work for you? And George Takei said, well, why, of course it would. I think that's a great idea. And Paramount turned around and went, yeah, we're still not going to do it. And that's as far as it got. They had a couple of meetings, went for a nice dinner. Paramount even seasoned it so it tasted better for them, chewed it a bit, spat it on the floor, and then left without paying their share of the bill. Dicks. Number four, Star Trek XI. <laughs> you are not going to believe what we were supposed to get as a direct follow-up to Star Trek Nemesis. What had its script almost written, what had its story planned out, what had its seeds planted in Nemesis itself that would have been made had it not been the most critically unsuccessful and commercially unsuccessful Star Trek movie of all time. It was, oh, it was good. Now you all remember how Riker was cleverly set up as the captain of the USS Titan at the end of that movie. Well, he's off having his own adventures when he gets into a spot 
of bother and conveniently just happens to be fairly close to Deep Space Nine where both the Enterprise and Voyager just happen to be. And then for loads of contrived plot reasons, all three of the captains take all three of their ships to go and rescue him. That was literally going to be the story. Also, Data comes back in the body of B4, just like Search for Spock, or something. However, as mentioned, yes, Nemesis did bomb harder than your own father in a hotel swimming pool, so didn't get made. Shame. Number three, Star Trek Federation. Yes, here we are again, a radically new Star Trek series that would have pushed the boundaries and pushed the canon that was kind of considered as a really good idea, only to get stuffed, Ted stuffed into the toilet by J.J. Abrams, who wanted to do a big film. 300 years into the future and the Federation is a spent force. The Vulcans have left to go and reunite with the Romulans. The Bajorans, they have gone. The Betazoids, they have gone. The Andorans, they have gone. There's now only a few members of the Federation left and the whole thing is just too human-centric for anybody to take seriously. They have lost their way as both a peacekeeping and an exploration. Thing. And then, to make matters worse, a new enemy enters the galaxy. The Scourge are looking to finish off the Federation once and for all. In purely an act of PR to try and cheer everybody up and reassure them that the end isn't imminent, Starfleet recommissions a new version of the Enterprise and puts a useless descendant of Kirk on its bridge somewhere. They make him second officer purely for the crack. And then on its first ever mission, both the captain and the first officer are killed, promoting Kirk to captain, who then saves the day entirely. And from there, we would get all these episodes where he was taking the Enterprise around, trying to revitalize the Federation. That was the premise. They did J.J. Abrams instead. Number two, Star Trek Planet of the Titans. People tend to forget this, but when Star Trek initially aired, nobody really thought it was particularly successful. And then after it finished, they completely reworked how they actually classified ratings and found out that literally millions of people loved this. So Paramount started scrambling around trying to do absolutely anything they could to get some money back for that. They proposed doing Phase 2, which is going to be the new series, and they also proposed doing this movie, Planet of the Titans. And this is the idea that had the most traction, a motion picture that would reunite the original crew of the Enterprise and send them on a new adventure to battle the Signans, the Sig, the Signans, the Sig, the Signan, the Sig. This word, they would fight this word and be hurtled back to the very dawn of time through a black hole. Now, there were several rewrites done on this film because apparently a lot of them were hot trash but the one they settled on was this idea that the crew be faced with the decision sent back to the very dawn of man to either disobey the prime directive or stop humanity coming into existence effectively they were going to be made responsible for the creation of man thus they would be the titans clever in a way and paramount as they tend to do went actually no, and then spent a couple more years before deciding again to do a motion picture, which was the motion picture. Number one, Star Trek The Final Frontier. Yeah, Star Wars, eh? Thinks it's pretty clever, doesn't it, with its critically lauded, law-expanding, seminal animated series, The Clone Wars. Thinks it's, thinks it's really clever, doesn't it? But it should have been Star Trek that did that first. Should have been them. The premise was quite smart. Much of space has been rendered untraversable, intraversable, difficult to traverse, owing to weapons just ruining the fabric of space. So, with exploration off the table, Starfleet falls back on its role as intergalactic peacekeepers, much to the chagrin of a one Alexander Chase. They just, they love that name. The war with the Romulans may have cost us our primary means of transportation, but 
it's cost us our soul too. Right itself. Starfleet eventually relents to him and allows him to go back to exploring strange new worlds, convinced maybe he can find a solution to all their problems while he's doing it. It got pretty far, there was table reads, they wrote some scripts, they got very experienced Star Trek producers in. There was all this artwork created for it, and then, and then, what do you think I'm going to say here? J.J. Abrams. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. 